Hi, and welcome to the Ranch Church podcast recorded from our live Sunday experience. Our church is on an adventure with Jesus, holding live gatherings in and around the Rancho Mission Viejo community as our building that will be our next church home is finishing construction. Do you want to join us for service on a Sunday morning? The best way to stay up to date with where we will gather is through our weekly email. You can sign up for that by filling out the Connect card by clicking the link in the description of today's episode. And now, here's Cole Beeshore with this weekend's message. Oh, good morning. It is good to be together. Hey, do you guys want a building update? Yeah, me too. Me too. Don't you want to know when we're going to be in there? I know I do. Hey, here's the, I will give you this. Uh, so we are, like I've been saying, we've been praying for August. We've been praying for August. Uh, pray with us this week. We do have one more uh, kind of an inspection coming up this week that will determine how quickly we can sort of wrap it up and make that space usable for us. So if you think about it this week, join me in praying that that just goes well. We find favor in the city and that goes smooth. If that goes smooth, things will really start to, just those finishing touches will will wrap up. So will we be there next week? Probably not, but plan on being here. (laughs) All right, good. All right, you guys ready to dive in? Let's pray as we get going this morning. Jesus, we give this time to you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us in this place, out in your creation, out in this park, God, as we gather as your church, God, because we are your church, Lord. So right now we give this time to you. Would you speak and lead us this morning? Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, we've been in a series called Adventure Awaits. And so if you've been with us or if you haven't been with us the first week, and we're in this series Adventure Awaits because it's kind of who we are, because we are a redemptive community that is on an adventure with Jesus as he changes the world. And so we are invited, we believe, and we like to say as a church that we are invited into this adventure with Jesus. This is what God is constantly inviting us into in the world. And so the first week we looked at the story of Peter and Jesus walking out on the water and we saw that as we, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we are able to step out into impossible realities. As we stay focused on Jesus, whatever is going on around us in the world, whatever is going on us in our lives, we are able to lean into and do the impossible. That's what happens as Jesus, as Peter stays focused on Jesus. And last week we looked at this tool, the tool that we use to know where we are and where we wanna go. And we looked at this idea of having this map that Jesus gives us, which is his word, his scripture. And we see that this map not only defines uh, kind of the terrain, our reality of the world that we live in, but it also declares where we are. And Jesus, in the midst of talking about scripture as this map for our lives that defines reality and gives us truth, he says who we are, which is salt and light. And so when somebody asks you as a follower of Jesus who you are, the answer is salt and light. So when somebody asks you as a follower of Jesus who you are, you say... Salt and light, that's right. And so we saw that Jesus invites us to be the salt and light in the world and that Jesus gives us this map along with his spirit, gives us his word to guide, declare where we are and understand our world and how we should operate in it. And so this morning, we're gonna look at another part of this adventure. And so last week, I posed this sort of hypothetical story to you. I said, hey, I've got this adventure for you to go on and it's out in these hills here. And out there is this phenomenal treasure that you can find. 
And I asked, what did you need? And you need a map, right? One of these things to, to know where you are and where to go and how to find this thing. Now, I just want to pretend that's still going on. And some of you went out there and one of you went out there and actually found this incredible treasure that Cole's talking about out in the woods. And they come back and they join us and they tell us they found this treasure, but they come back and they say, and, in, and it's an incredible treasure. And they tell you all about it, but they left it there and they left the map there with it. How would we respond to that person in, out here in the park? Yeah, we just some I heard crazy. So, but you'd look at them kind of like, really? That's that's what you decided to do. You found this incredible treasure, and you decided to just leave it up there. We all might respond with just a simple question: Why would you do that? Right? Because if you leave that treasure out there and come back and just tell your friends about it, you've discovered this wonderful treasure, and you just sort of tell it. Are you really experiencing the benefits of that treasure if you just leave it out there? No, you've got to take it and bring it in into your world and let it begin to affect your reality or transform your life. You must have, grab hold of it and bring it into your life. Jesus often talks in parables and often when he's talking about the kingdom of God, he uses parables to describe what the kingdom of God is like. And as we consider what this treasure is, we see that in part, this treasure that God is offering us is the kingdom of God, the reality of God's rule and reign in the world here now present. This is what Jesus brought. And so we're gonna look at three different parables if you've got an outline where Jesus talks to his followers and is inviting this them into this adventure to discover this treasure, to experience the kingdom of God. And he's gonna have a whole bunch of parables that he talks to describe what this kingdom of God is like or how do we experience it. But we're gonna look at three this morning. Are you all right? You ready? You ready for God to speak to you? Because here we go. All right, Matthew 13, starting in 44. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of the Lord. Got it. We're all on the same page. Matthew uses kingdom of heaven. I'm gonna keep using the kingdom of God. Sorry for the confusion. Kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And so see, in the first one, we see that this kingdom, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven is valuable. And we also see that it is discoverable. And sometimes we see that it might not be so obvious to the world, but it is discoverable and it is incredibly valuable. Let's jump to the next one. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 30, 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plant. It grows into a tree and birds come and makes its nests in its branches. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven may seem small. It may seem insignificant, but as it, as it gets planted and as it grows, it becomes greater than all of the garden plants. It becomes this marvelous place where others will come and find home and rest and sanctuary and provision within its branches. It may seem like this tiny thing, but we can't anticipate its greatness as it continues to grow. And it's for others to come in and experience as well. Matthew 13, let's jump to verse 33. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she puts only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeates 
every part of the dough. And so we see the kingdom of heaven is also like this small thing that gets into and permeates. It may seem like an insignificant amount compared to the amount of flour that's there, but as it's rubbed into it, it makes its way throughout the entirety of it and it transforms the very dough. So as we're considering the kingdom of heaven, as we're considering the kingdom of God, and, and in this incredible treasure that I'm calling it, as we consider this incredible treasure and finding this incredible treasure, one of the things that we might ask ourselves as we go on this adventure is, what is it gonna cost me? Right, because that's, that's the question we ask if you're in a business venture, right? And you're considering an opportunity, a great treasure that might be gained, what are you gonna ask? What is the cost? What is, what is, what is the ups and downs? What's the upside of this? What's the downside of this? What will it cost me, right? That's a reasonable question as you engage any adventure. As What are the potential upsides? What are some of the potentials, downsides? What might it cost me as I pursue the kingdom of God? Uh, My youngest uh, daughter, Annie, anytime it comes to like Christmas or towards her birthday, she is great at creating lists of wants. My other kids are much more reasonable in it. But, you know, as it comes to a time where she might want a thing, like she's very good at creating lists of wants. And as we go back through it and we start to bring reality into focus and, and she's starting to learn that things actually cost stuff, right? This is a moment and kids, as they grow up, it's like things cost stuff and we just sort of lay out. It all of a sudden becomes very clear to her which of those things that she wants and doesn't want because she'll never get the whole list. And so when we begin to set those expectations of, no, nah, this is kind of what might be expected here. <laughs> this is reasonable. Not, she quickly cuts away. Have you ever been in a store with a kid, right? And they grab something off the shelf and then they bring it up to you like, I want this. And I, on multiple occasions, my kid will come up to me and say, I want this, usually my youngest too again. And, and I'll go, that's great. You can use your allowance to buy it. Right away, they go back and put it, put it right back on the shelf, right? All of a sudden, that thing's not so valuable to them anymore if they're using their own money to, to get it. But this is what we do when we engage everything that you have to ask this question, what is the cost? What is the potential upside of this, but what is it gonna cost me? And when we do that, it begins to put stuff into perspective. We do this in all parts of our lives, right? When you go on vacation, when you're considering opportunities, you go, what is the cost of this, right? If you're considering going to the beach or the pool, some of your calculus is, right? At least for me, the beach is way more fun, but it's also more work, isn't it? right? There's sand and it gets kind of everywhere and you sort of got to lug stuff down and out to the ocean, right? And the pool is really easy to get to and you sort of jump in, but it has way less opportunity to fund. And so it's like, which one are we going to do? What do you do to make that decision? You count the cost. Which one is going to be better? uh, Anybody love snow? Like, Like, can't wait to winter, love going up to the snow. I like snow, visiting the snow. But here's how I consider snow. I just assume it's going to be miserable, because going to the snow is a lot of work. I love snowboarding, but when I go to the snow, I just assume, look, it's gonna be miserable and we're gonna do it and it's gonna be fun, right? Because I have to prepare myself. I have to know the cost of what it is to take the family to the snow. It's a whole lot of work. It's a whole lot of fun, but I've gotta count that cost as I go into it. If you're gonna consider a new job, you consider what is the cost, what are the benefits, what are the upsides? Is it better to go to a, go into a theater or watch a movie at home, right? This is, in all of our life, we look at these opportunities and we consider what is the value and what is the cost? 
And so what does it cost? Number one on your outline, what does it cost me? Let's look at God's word. What does it cost the farmer? So it's a man out in a field, but let's just assume the picture that Jesus is drawing on is a man that who is plowing a field of somebody else's that owns, a tenant of farmer maybe. And as he's plowing along, he, he hits this box and it's this strong box. And as he finds his way to open it, it's this incredible valuable treasure in it. So as he's going through his daily life, he stumbles upon something of incredible value. He recognizes that value. And what does he go do? Right, it's right there in the parable. He runs off and sells everything he has. He gets every scrape of money. He looks at everything he has and he sells it so that he can buy that field so that he can get that treasure, right? It's incredible. But he knows the value of that treasure and so he goes and spends everything. What does it cost the merchant? All right, this is a merchant kind of a different story. So this is probably a wealthier man who buys valuable things and sells them. And he is on the lookout for something valuable. This is the story we see. This is a guy who knows the value of an incredible pearl and he is out in the world looking for valuable things. And when he comes across this particular pearl, one that as he sees it, it is of incredible value. What's he go do? Similar to the farmer, right? He takes everything he's got and he liquidates it. He gets rid of everything he has so he can attain this pearl because it is so valuable. See, as Jesus tells these stories, what he's pointing out is that these, both of these guys in the story, they come to discover the kingdom in different ways, but once they discover it, what do they realize? This is a treasure of incredible value. So what do they do? They sell everything they have because it's worth it. Jesus is pointing out, this is the worth of the kingdom. And when we truly grasp the value of something, as these guys in the story do, what do we do? Right? We bend our lives to achieve it. When we truly understand the value of something, then the pursuit of it, it puts it all into perspective, doesn't it? It, it, it allows us to see, is this worth us truly pursuing? Is it worth us truly seeking after. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Whether you're out there searching for truth and realities and you find it, or if you're just going about your life and you come across it in some way, when you realize its value, you are willing to give everything to achieve it. So why is the kingdom of God so valuable? Jesus seems to think it's so valuable. Why is the kingdom of God so valuable? right? And the kingdom of God is so valuable because it is where true life is found. It is where we find an experience of a truly lived life, not just a quick fix or a pleasure or sort of a fun fix. It is where true life is experienced and found. And, in, and Jesus is pointing out, this is only where true life is found. That's why it's so valuable. Of all the things that you could want in the world, this is the thing that is so valuable. So let's unpack that a little bit. What is this treasure like? Point two on your outlines. So we saw, we talked about, one, it's highlighted in the story. It's incredibly valuable. And two, we see that it is discoverable, right? One guy in going through his life comes across it, realizes its value and pursues it. 
Another guy is seeking after, whether he's seeking after specifically the kingdom of God or he's seeking after something next to it, he comes across it and realizes its value and is proves it. So we see that it is valuable. It is discoverable. But we also see that it is also this thing that sometimes seems kind of small. Doesn't it? Mustard seeds like, like small, small, like imperceptible small. And gardeners, like it's small, it's real tiny. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. And it, sometimes it seems like it's a small thing, but it is something that will grow into something miraculous, something large, something that will provide a home for others to experience. Right, this is the birds come, right? Others will come and find shelter and a home and provision within its branches. It is something that even when it seems small will grow into something that is incredibly valuable and provide for others, right? And we see it, Jesus also talks about this, this treasure is something that when it engaged in a life begins to permeate and affect everything else, right? This is what yeast does. Yeast doesn't just make its way through dough, does it? No, it makes its way through dough and begins to transform the dough. The dough begins to transform the dough. Yeast radically transforms the very nature of the flour. It seems like a small amount for what there is and it begins to transform. And so the kingdom is what Jesus has brought. So when Jesus shows up, that is the most clear picture of the kingdom of God in the world. It is at hand, right, Jesus says because it is the place where God interacts with the world. So Jesus shows up into the world and Jesus brings the encounter of God into the world. This is the kingdom of God, where we encounter and experience God. It's where we encounter and experience God's work, his reign, right? So just think about a kingdom when you're in a kingdom. What do you experience? The rule and reign of whatever king is there. It's where God's will is done and celebrated in the world. It is where God's work is active, where his presence is known and seen. This is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus brings this kingdom of God. It is God's work encounters our world. Now, some throughout history having, have uh, thought of the kingdom of God kind of in political terms. So we see this in early on kind of in Roman history and the churches you know, sort of there in the Jewish community, then it's outlawed in specific places. And then around Constantine, right, it begins to become legal again. And then as it becomes legal again, it finally becomes the official state religion. And throughout history, some have equated the kingdom of God to that kind of political reality, but that's not the kingdom of God. Throughout history, sometimes uh, the kingdom of God is equated just with the church. And now, is the kingdom of God the church? No, the church is a part of it though, right? Right, so the kingdom of God, as is, is you can think about it, it's not some political reality like, like we saw in the Holy Roman Empire, but it's not just the church either. The church is a part of it, right? Because as we gather as a people and pray, is that a place that the kingdom of God has experienced? Yeah, right? As, a, as, a, as, um, as, we find, as we gather as the people of God, right? As the gathering of God's people is the church, right? And as the people of God gather and we find community, right? And we find connection. Is that a place that the kingdom of God is experienced? Yeah, it is where it is encountered, right? As we gather and encourage and lift one another up. As we provide comfort and healing to another, is that where the kingdom of God might be experienced, right? As we gather together and serve others, 
as we gather as God's people and serve the least of these, as we gather and bring healing, whether it's through prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit or through our very presence in people's lives, as we gather and experience that healing, is that a place where the kingdom of God is encountered in the world? Yes. So the church is a part of the kingdom of God, but it is not the definition of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so much more than that. It is the place where God's work is felt in the world. And it is a reality that many of you have discovered as you have said yes to this adventure of Jesus. Right, as Jesus tells these parables of what the kingdom of God is like, what many of you, I know you have experienced, is the reality of the kingdom of God in your life as you say yes and lean into this adventure with Jesus. Now, as a pastor, I've been in places. I've been in places where I've been into ice room, uh, emergency rooms in the hospital, where a family is gathered around somebody who's sick, and, and the, the, the end result is obvious. And maybe they've lived a full life. And I have seen the kingdom of God felt in their lives as we show up and gather and pray and comfort is felt in a way that seems unexplainable, right? I have seen healing and reconciliation happen in relationships that it could not otherwise happen, right? I've even seen hard and bitter men become soft and kind as they encounter the kingdom of God. I've even seen young and uh, wandering directionless men find direction and purpose as they encounter the kingdom of God. And I know you have as well. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And we can point to it and we can see it. This is the kingdom of God experienced here and now because the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is here. And also we anticipate its fulfillment when he returns. And so we say the kingdom of God is here already and not yet. And these are the moments, this is the treasure that we talk about, that Jesus is inviting us to find and experience in our daily lives on a regular basis. This is why Jesus tells these stories about people coming and finding and discovering it and and understanding its value, that we would continue to pursue it. This is why Jesus tells these stories about this little thing, because sometimes it seems like we're in the world and it just seems imperceptible and small. And yet what Jesus is saying, even in those things, just watch what God is going to do. He's going to make for incredible realities at work in the world, because this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so he invites us to understand that this is the treasure and that we can get it and pursue it. And so this is what he's inviting his disciples to. So practically more than now. If this really is this great treasure that we've been promised, that really is so valuable, it's worth giving everything up, that really is where life is found in the world, how do we pursue that in our daily lives? How do we pursue the kingdom of God? Now, real quick, why would we pursue the kingdom of God? For my sake and for the world's sake. We would pursue it for your sake and also for your neighbor's sake. You pursue the kingdom of God in your life and also for the life of the world of the people around us because that's who God's invited us to be, right? Because who's God is, who has God invited us to be? I said it at the beginning. All right, the right answer is salt and light. Because who has God invited us to be? Good, I'm just making sure we're all together here. So for my sake, because it is where God encounters my life in a daily place, right? It is where I step in and declare God is God. And in that, I personally find healing and comfort and hope 
enjoy no matter what is in front of me. And so we pursue the kingdom of God and I want you to pursue the kingdom of God because I want that for you. Jesus wants you to pursue the kingdom of God because he wants that reality for you in your life. But not just for you, also for the world around you. Because as being salt and light, this is what Jesus is inviting us into, back into the world to show others this great treasure and let them experience it as well, the kingdom of God. So how do we do that? How do we might say, how might we plant the kingdom of God? Now there's other ways than this, but I just wanna give us some thoughts. Planting the kingdom of God. One of the ways we plant the kingdom of God is tell stories about Jesus. Whether it's straight from God's word or Jesus's action in our own life, right? We tell stories of the reality of the kingdom of God. When we declare the truth of who Jesus is, it, Holy Spirit works, and we begin to plant the seeds of the kingdom of God everywhere those stories are shared, right? When we encounter acts of healing, when we participate in acts of healing, it is proclaiming and planting the seeds of the kingdom of God in the world. Now, Sometimes it is the laying of hands and asking the Holy Spirit to do a miraculous healing because God does that and we see that. Sometimes it is showing up in somebody's world and being present and just sitting with them in the midst of their turmoil. Does God bring healing in those moments? Yeah, he does. And then when we sit with and pray with others, does God's Holy Spirit work and bring healing to them? their emotions. Like, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it is this wonderful thing that we want to print a news article about because it's so amazing and seeming so outside, but sometimes it are these small, very tangible realities. These are the acts of healing, and this is where the God... And when we step into those moments, we're planting the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's just acts of generosity promotes the kingdom of God. Why? Because God is a generous God. Sometimes it's acts of hospitality, I was, uh, uh, the, our men did a little man camp. It was kind of a man camp scouting trip this last uh, weekend. So I drove up on Friday and most of us was, were just there uh, Friday night and we experienced it, which by the way, Joel is the, I was told, is the ax throwing champion for man camp. So next year when we do a man camp, you gotta beat him to become the ax throwing champion of Ranch Church. Just so you know, you can give him a pat on the back later today. But while we were up there, we were just sharing stories and Tyler shares the story about, you know, this small act of hospitality, inviting a neighbor in and the relationships that formed from that act of hospitality that transformed, that led this family to experience and discover God's church. And then from experiencing and discover God's church, it ignited a ministry in the, one of the individuals. This person now helps others find connection and community within the church on a regular basis. This is who they are. Right? A small seed, a small act of generosity and hospitality that leads to the kingdom of God beginning to flourish in all sorts of areas. This is how we plant the kingdom of God. And as we do that, we find it is a place for others to come and experience provision and rest and life. This is what the kingdom of God is. It is the place that we find hope. And sometimes... As you look at your world, it doesn't seem like the kingdom of God is winning, does it? But this is why Jesus, I think, tells these stories in the way that he does. Because Jesus is looking at a crowd that I'm sure felt like, hey, it doesn't seem like the kingdom of God is winning here. And Jesus says, yeah, 
But sometimes the kingdom of God is like this small seed that is planted in the ground. Or sometimes it is like this small amount of yeast that begins to find and experience itself within the dough. But what happens is that small amount begins to create big changes. That small amount begins to take over and transform the world. And so it's in the kingdom of God that we find hope because we understand that the kingdom of God, though sometimes it's not so obvious and so declarative, is still at work. That God is still doing. And it is this great treasure where life is found. It is a transformative reality where not only we experience hope, where God invites others to experience hope as well. So what is the adventure that we might be invited to this week as we consider, as we look at, this is what God says that this great treasure is, that he's inviting us to discover and experience, not just to become visitors of the kingdom of God, but to regularly make that the place that we dwell in the reality that defines our home life, our world, and even as we go out into our places of work, this is where we live and act and defines our very being. So what is what might be the adventure that we're invited into this week? Well, it might be considering, how might I be planting this kingdom, right? What are some of the ways? I listed some, there are others that I might be cons- consider my neighborhood, a person in my life, a place in my work that I might just begin to ask Jesus to partner with me or me to partner with him as he's planting the seeds of this kingdom reality in the world. Maybe it's just telling more stories about Jesus's work as you engage your regular life. Or maybe it's just an act of thanksgiving. But what for the question, for you, What might it look like for you to say yes to this adventure? To saying yes to finding God's acts in your own life this week. Just declaring this is how God is at work. Or this might be where God is at work and I want to partner with him. Maybe for some of us it is saying no to some false conceptions of what the kingdom is. Saying no to some other realities that we're letting defining our lives. This is what the kingdom of God is like, right? Because here's this great treasure. And it is not just enough for us to know and see it and leave the map there and say, oh, I know about this great kingdom. No, this is something that we are invited to come and bring into our lives and let transform our very reality. And as we do that, the whole world might be transformed through it because this is the place where God acts and dwells and lives. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to worship. As we worship this morning, here's the invitation. Jesus, what do you want to say to me this week? I want to say yes to the adventure to you. God, how might you be speaking? Let me pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for you and your work in our lives. God, we pray as a church, Lord, that this would be a place where you speak, where you lead. God, as we worship, would you be speaking and leading? God, for those of us that need your sense of comfort, would you bring comfort? For those of you that need miraculous healing, God, would you bring healing? Lord, we give this time to you. Would your name be honored? Pray all of this in your name. Amen.